Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, you are great. Our songs can't even express just how amazing you are. and They are just attempts to express what we feel in our hearts. And Father, we love you and we adore you. And our presence here this morning, I just pray that we all are just willing to surrender to you right now, Father. I pray that we realize that these opportunities to come and sing songs to you, which is so different from our typical day, to be surrounded by fellow people who really yearn to know you, Father. I pray that we can be inspired and fueled by these, these times together. I pray that our, we can be contrite and humble as we hear your word. Father, I pray that we don't get hung up on things that we heard this week that somebody may have said or whether it's eloquently delivered or not. I just pray, Father, that, that our hearts can be yours right now. That whatever autopilot might be in, that we can just kick it off right now and engage emotionally, spiritually. Help us to be open that something can be shared this morning that can change the course of our lives. Help us to be open to that. It may not be during the sermon. It could be during a song already sung, a prayer that's going to be prayed. Father, use this time. Just pray for your spirit to work powerfully among us. And help us to have that deep desire that we'll talk about that Paul had to know Jesus. To know him. Father, help us to have that same desire deeply in our hearts. And I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. All right. You ready to worship this morning? I hope so. You sounded good. We're diving in. We're going with our, we're continuing our theme this year of, of really drawing near to God. And uh, that, that's what we've been focusing on this year. Is, and hopefully we, we don't just wait till Sunday morning's message to draw near to God. And I don't think that's the case with you. But that, that's the heart that we've really been trying to cultivate with one another. Uh, to, really, to really draw near heart to heart, you know, with God. And that was something at the beginning of the year and, and fasting. And, and I, I'm, I've been, people have been asking me, you know, Jeff, you still doing that meditating thing? As if to say, I bet you, you know, it was a little fad and you just jumped out of it. Well, I'm here to tell you I'm still doing it. Yes, I am. You know what I mean? And then I'm not saying that to brag, but I'm just saying God has been changing my heart. I've just, I feel like I've just made myself more available to God in a certain way. I'm not better than anybody. I just decided to do something that people have been following Jesus for years have been doing. But I've been staying quiet and silent in solitude with God and really enjoying this process of, of, of Christ, you know, being formed in me, you know, for the benefit of other people, not just for my own self. And I've been enjoying that process. So I hope that, that you can continue to draw near to God in your own ways you know, this year. And right now, we've been in a series where we've been looking at a specific uh, letter within the Bible, uh, a letter that Paul wrote to a church in Philippi. And uh, so we've been looking at that particular book of the Bible and spending some time on it. I love when we all read the same thing at the same time. I think that's powerful. I remember we read, we read Ruth, and it was really encouraging uh, to just go through that together. And uh, just to hear people saying, man, I hadn't really thought about some of these things in the scriptures. And so we've been reading Philippians, a lot more familiar to you uh, than maybe a book of Ruth. But hopefully you've been in, able to engage. And, uh, and lately, just interestingly, this was kind of the, 
image that was chosen, but uh, lately I've been spending more time on my knees praying to God. Uh, actually, literally in that pose with my palms out, my, my eyes up, trying to surrender to God with my posture, my heart, my life, and multiple times a day, not just for my quiet time in the morning. And, uh, and, and uh, it's, it's been, I think it's been transformative uh, for me to, to, to alter my normal flow to connect with God. I'm just trying to draw near in any way I can. I hope you can do the same. And today we're focusing in on chapter three. Last week, uh, Steve focused on chapter four. And you may say, hey, Jeff, you know, three actually comes before four. So why would you have a sermon on four before for three? Because we can't, you know, there you go. Simple as that, right? And that's what we're going to do. Okay. And uh, today, this whole, I, I'm, terrible at, I'm terrible at titling, putting a title to my messages. So I just stole something that Paul said. I want to know Christ. And I feel like that's the heart of really what I want to talk about today. And, and another thing that uh, I found from the Bible Project that I really liked, I liked how they talked about Philippians. And they basically made the, the, the whole concept of a way to look at Philippians. It's to kind of look at it that the big Messiah poem in Philippians 2, you know, the one that we love, right? That that's kind of the hub of the whole book. And, and every other part of, of Philippians really isn't in chronological order anyway. So there you go. But they all kind of refer back to, in some way, that Messiah poem uh, in, in chapter 2. And I thought that was a good way. So we're going to focus on three, chapter 3 uh, today. And what about that, that Messiah poem? We love this, this part of Scripture. You know, in your relationships with one another, have the same attitude, right, as that of Christ Jesus. Who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or something to be used to his own advantage. Right? But rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I mean, he went the whole way. And therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is kind of the matrix through which to read all of Philippians in, in, in many ways, and I think it's, it's helpful. And today we'll kind of focus on this part about how he, God, even though Jesus in his very essence was God, he, he didn't just walk around boastful, so to speak, of who he was. That wasn't his heart. He emptied himself, made himself nothing. He was humble, right? And, and this is something that we really need to look at. He didn't take his status with God as something to take to his own advantage and lord it over people. That wasn't the way he approached life. And so this is important when we consider what is happening in Philippians chapter 3. Because at the very beginning of chapter 3, I'm going to tell you what, Paul ain't messing around. Okay, if you read the beginning of chapter 3, it starts out all nice, right? Oh, I want you to rejoice in the Lord. You know, I, I love saying that. I'll never get tired. It's helpful for you. And then he just rips into it. He said, but you know what? Watch out for those dogs. 
Those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh, like what is going on around here? Like that's just some strong language. What's going on? Well, what's going on is, is that Paul's having to deal with stuff. And that there are some people that were going to the church there in Philippi and saying, you guys are, you know, you're good people, but you haven't gone all the way yet. You're not really fully Christian yet until you really fully obey the law of Moses. And so, men, you need to be circumcised. So you can say that you too are people of God because that's what the chosen people of God do. That's a sign. And you're not fully Christian yet. And so these types of arguments were happening, and, and I think Paul needed to deal with that. But why choose? This is strong language, people. Dogs, evildoers, mutilators of the flesh. And I think it's helpful to understand that Paul loved this church. And he didn't want any false doctrine to seep into the church. And he wanted to deal with it forcefully. Very forcefully. Because circumcision was something that God's people had misunderstood for a long time. It wasn't just a ritual in God's eyes. Look, look at back in Deuteronomy. <laughs> this is through Moses, right? To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord set his affection on your ancestors and, and loved them. And he chose you, their descendants. Above all nations, as it is today, circumcise your what? Your hearts. Therefore. Right? And don't be stiff-necked any longer. What, what is he getting at? This isn't just a ritual. This isn't just a cutting off of, of part of the body. No, there, God is saying, don't just utilize that, that ritual and say, oh, I'm fine. I've, I've gone through the ritual. Now I don't really have to do anything else. I'm good with God. I'm forever acceptable to God. That, that never was the point. This is Deuteronomy. This is way back with Moses. Moses trying to say, it's not just about the ritual. Are you willing to give me your heart? You need to snip off the stuff of your heart that's messed up. And Paul, he had to deal with it too. This is thousands of years later. Look at the same argument. In Romans, Paul says this. It's not about a Jew. person's not a Jew who's only one outwardly. Nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who's one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the what? The heart. The heart. By what? By the Spirit. It's not a ritual done by a person in your community who's uh, able to do that ritual. No, this is something deeper. God didn't want people just to hold on to rituals and say, this means I'm right with God. It was always, what about your heart, the place where your will comes from, your thinking, your desires, all of that wrapped up in your heart? What, are you dealing with that? So this is, a, this is a concept that Paul had to deal with over and over and over again. And he says, you know what, don't get tripped up. They call themselves the circumcised or the circumcision as if they're like awesome. He said, you know what, it is we who are the circumcision. We who worship God by his spirit, all right? Or some of your translations might say serve God, same concept. You know what? It's about worship. It's about adoration. It's about surrender. It is about giving your all to God. Guess what? By his spirit, not even by what you do. 
who boast in Christ Jesus. I love that. You want to you boast about what you've done or who you are? These guys are boasting, well, we're the circumcision. Here, you know what you need to boast? You need to boast in Jesus and what he's done. Another theme that I love, this is a great theme. You should do this study in the Bible. Remember this passage in Jeremiah? Woo! This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast in their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they understand and know me. That I am the Lord who exercises kindness, right, justice and righteousness, right, on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. If you want to boast, boast about your knowledge of God and not intellectual knowledge. It's not just intellectual knowledge. It's do you understand that God wants justice in this world? He wants righteousness. He wants these things. And so guess what? We need to be the ones that live it out for him. Let him live all that through you. That's how you circumcise your heart. Let God's purposes work through you and live through you instead of you boasting in who you are. I appreciate N.T. Wright. He says, you know what, they don't put any confidence in the flesh. And the main part I want to look at, he's basically, you know, N.T. Wright makes the point that the Jews were so proud of their physical descent that they could trace it back to their patriarchs. And so a lot of times when it says the flesh, it really talks about they're just proud that they, that they are God's chosen people. But the problem is at the very end is the dangerous boast that because of all of this, they were superior automatically and forever for all who didn't share that physical descent. So when, when he says, you know what, we're putting confidence in the flesh, right? Don't put confidence in the flesh. That's what they were doing. They were putting confidence in their physical descent. Don't do that. He said, if anything, if anyone wants to talk about and brag about being a Jew, Paul said, look no further. You want to go toe-to-toe? You want to put our little spiritual resumes down and let's, let's just have a little contest right here? He said, well, let's go. He said, I think I got you on this, right? Paul says, you know what? I was circumcised on the eighth day, check. <laughs> of the people of Israel, obviously, check. Oh, of the tribe of Benjamin. Ooh, you might go, well, who cares? Well, to a Jew, that had some pride to it, right? Benjamin was the only son that was actually born in the land of promise. Okay, Benjamin was the tribe from which Israel's first king, Saul, came from, which Paul was originally named after. Mordecai, a great guy in the Bible, right? Esther, right? Remember, he was a Benjamite. So the Benjamin, Benjamin was, a, was a tribe that was really, you know, wow, had a lot of nobility, he says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. In other words, hey, let me, let me break it down for you. You know, there's a lot of Greco-Roman culture going around. Well, let me help you understand something. You know what? In my house, we don't speak none of that Greek stuff. We still speak our native tongue. You know, I can still read Hebrew. I don't just read Greek. No, I'm Hebrew, right? I, I still maintain my culture. I haven't, I haven't assimilated like so many of you Jews who've been moved all over the world. No, I'm still a Hebrew. You know, you see, do you see what Paul's getting at? Is, is this the stuff that we want to put our confidence in? Oh, I got a lot of reasons to put confidence in that. Oh, in regard to the law? Oh, when it comes to interpreting the, the scriptures? Oh, guess what? I'm, I'm, I'm a part of the most conservative party. I'm a Pharisee. We don't mess around. We actually follow the whole thing. 
Okay? And so this is Paul. Paul hey, I got reasons. If you want to go there, if you want to make life about following a bunch of rules, as for zeal, you want to talk about zeal? I got a little bit of that. <laughs> when I heard about these Christ followers blaspheming God and what I thought, <laughs> I didn't just talk about it at the Starbucks. I went out and dragged them out of synagogues, dragged them out of homes, put them in prison. Who are you to blaspheme God? That's what I thought. So you want to talk about zeal? I actually lived out my zeal. I didn't just talk about it. And he says, as for righteousness based on the law, people looked at me and said, man, Paul's got it done. He's, I got, wow, I can't follow the law as good as Paul. I mean, wow. You know, he's the man. So Paul says, I have reasons to put confidence in the flesh. But guess what? That's not what we're supposed to be doing. You ever felt that way in your little situations in life? You ever feel good about yourself? When you find somebody that went to a lesser school than you, right? Don't make as much money as you. You're a middle manager and they're just entry level. What is it? I'm a member of North River. <laughs> Sometimes we can go there. My family is my great-grandfather, da, 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 da. and we can, we can take a certain confidence in, in a way that makes us feel superior than other people. And we got to be careful that spiritually and in our lives in general, right? Be careful that you don't take pride in stuff that you done, you've done. You know, and Paul says, you know what, whatever were gains in my life. Whenever I walked into a room and everybody thought I was the greatest thing in the world, I used to love that. But you know what? Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, refuse, dregs, or dung or manure, depending on your translation. That is what the word means. Let that wash over you real quick. I consider all that dung that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from following the rules, but that which is through Faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. This is the gospel message right there in a lot of ways, right? We can just close up shop and go home right there. If you can figure this out and internalize this and live this out, you're doing really good. You know, I looked up this, you know, I look up a lot of different translations to get the feel. But I love that concept, the, the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, right? Because here's the deal. It's nothing wrong with being obedient to the law of Moses. Hello? That's good. So you, it's not that he's saying the law of Moses was evil, right? The law of Moses is bad. No, he's just saying I found something better, something greater, right? And there's a lot of different ways to say that, right? 
the surpassing worth, surpassing greatness, surpassing value, the overwhelming preciousness of knowing Jesus, the supreme advantage of knowing Jesus, the infinite value of knowing Jesus, the priceless privilege of knowing Jesus. That's what he, he said, I'll take that over anything. I'll take that over any spiritual resume that you can cook up. But is this our hearts today? Is that how you feel about knowing Jesus? You know, my problem is, I'm going to tell you one, as if I only have one. <laughs> one of my problems is I, I, I'm, I'm in my head a lot. And, and, and I, I found over time as I've been spending more time with God and, and getting help from trusted, you know, folks in my life is the reality. I, I can know facts about Jesus and feel awesome about it. And there's nothing wrong with knowing facts about Jesus. I can explain certain things about Jesus. I know where to go to research stuff about Jesus. But that doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> I'm experiencing Jesus. Experiencing him. Emotionally. That's not my default place. And so I've learned, I've actually got to kind of grow in that area because I'm weak in that area. I like the reading and the study and the research. I love that. But that, that emotional connection, to be able to express the surpassing great of just knowing Jesus. And, and think about Paul. Paul wasn't with Jesus. Sermon on the Mount, Jesus. Paul wasn't there. Walk on water, Jesus. Paul wasn't there. Paul didn't get to see all that stuff. Paul was post all that Jesus. Right? Paul's interaction with Jesus, it wasn't three years, day in and day out, sharing meals. That wasn't Paul's experience. But still, he, he, he understood something about Jesus and, and, and the depth of, of, of the love of Jesus. And he felt it in his heart, and it motivated him. He connected with Jesus in a powerful way, not just intellectually. I'm trying to grow in that. Because I want to know Christ. I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Well, ho hold up. <laughs> what happened? What, what? You don't, what about you don't want to suffer with Jesus? Here's the, I want to know the power of his resurrection. Yeah! And the fellowship of his sufferings. Eh! Eh, that's all right. I'm all right with that. And the more I realize, it's like, man, think about, think about Jesus. I want to know Christ. I just sat there reading it over and over again. What does that mean? I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. What did it take for a dead man? Like a man dead for days. The Bible over and over says the power. It talks about power. And I literally, I, I know, I, I told you, I'm in my head a lot. I'm thinking, okay, 30 AD, what kind of power sources did they have? I mean, just think, like, power, what did they have? I don't know. They didn't have gunpowder yet, I don't think, right? They didn't have electricity the way we have it. No nuclear energy. Did they have dams? Did they have that figured out yet? They could manipulate animals to maybe create some energy. What, what kind of power, you know? But I'm going to tell you something. It took power to take Jesus dead to Jesus alive. And the Bible even says that that power, whatever that is, is available to you and me. 
I said, ooh, what is that? I don't, know. I don't totally know what it is, but man, I want to tap into it. But the problem is this. In order to get to the resurrection, you got to die first. You got you to take fellowship in the suffering of Jesus. How did Jesus suffer? Not, I, and here's the deal. I thought about that. And all, I kept thinking about the cross and the pain of the cross and all that. But think about other ways that Jesus suffered, though. I think Jesus suffered when he was betrayed by his best, one of his best friends. I think that hurt him to give to somebody on an emotional level, on a physical level for years, and for them just to turn you in. I think that, that he suffered. I think the Bible, when it says that he wept over Jerusalem, man, I wanted to take care of you, but you just, you just rejected me. I think, I think he suffered with that. I think he suffered when the Bible says his family didn't really believe in him. Or some thought he was crazy, man. What's going on with Jesus? I don't think he felt great about that. I think he suffered watching, watching religious leaders put weight on people and people feel, wilting under the pressure, feeling like they could never measure up to God. I think Jesus suffered when he saw people in that state. I think he suffered when he saw oppression, injustice in the world, knowing that that's not how God wanted the world to be. And I think he suffered all of that. And so by the time those Romans got him and started beating on him and flogging him, yeah, yeah, he had suffered physically in ways none of us probably ever will, but he suffered a lot more than that. And here's the deal. You and I are never probably going to die on a Roman cross. Not probably going to happen. But I really hope that we're willing to go there in people's pain in this world. When you see the things that are not of God happening in this world, I pray we care enough and that we can join in Jesus, suffer like he did, all the well knowing that we have a resurrection that we, we will receive. So it won't be in vain. And I think that's what he's getting at. Man, I want to go there. I want to die to myself every day, every day. And that's what I do. I get on my knees and I pray, God, I want to die today. I don't want Jeff to live today. I don't want it to be about me today. I surrender to you. I pledge my life to you. I pledge allegiance to you. I don't want to just know thoughts about you and facts about you. I want to know you today. I want to feel you in my heart today. Please help me, God. And I can't do it on my own. And I need you. And I sit on that. And I think about that throughout my day. I want to know Christ as well. Are you getting to know Jesus more while you're doing more for Jesus? I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't. I'm going to tell you what, at the beginning of this year, I, right before the year started, I was like, I, I mean, I'm in meetings a lot. I'm meeting with some of you in meetings about what to do with the church. I got, and I, I got two daughters in high school right there, done. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Hello! <laughs> Trying to be a husband, dad, son, friend from, to people out of the state, in the state. Good night! And it's like, I'm doing all these spiritual things, but was I knowing Jesus more? I don't know. And I think sometimes some of y'all are in the stuck too. You've been doing the same type of stuff forever, showing up to the same worship services, but you're not really knowing Jesus more. You might be doing more stuff, but do you know him? And I want to encourage you to, to meditate on these passages and to circumcise the stuff in your life. Cut it off. That keeps you from connecting with your God. Stop making excuses. 
Stop blaming it on the church. Stop blaming it on somebody else. It's up to each one of us to grab hold of our relationship with the Lord and to care enough about it, to cultivate it. And I appreciate Paul. You know, he said, and I feel this way too. I haven't figured it out. Paul said, I haven't got there. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to worry about all the stuff that's happened eight years ago, 13 years ago, whatever. I'm straining toward what's ahead. And I appreciate that about Jesus, who being in very nature God, left all of that with God, (laughs) emptied himself. He left, he forgot what was behind, and he just dealt with his life, moving toward God the whole time. And I think that's what we got to learn how to do. Keep moving toward God. Keep getting closer to knowing Christ. And if you do, at the end, there's a goal, and we will be called heavenward. And, and, and Jesus, it's not about just us making it to heaven. Honestly, it's about us living that life right here. So when he comes back, we're going to celebrate. That's what it's all about. I'm out of time. We're going to pray. And we're going to take the Lord's Supper. But the prayer is going to be based in Philippians 3 because that's where we are. And after I pray, we will take the Lord's Supper together. You can bow your heads or however you want to go. Father, I pray that we will not live as enemies of the cross of Jesus. Father, help us to every day make the conscious, willful decision to elevate Jesus as the Lord of our lives and not our own appetites. Help us to boast in him. Help our minds not to be stuck on things of this world and help us to remember that our true citizenship is in heaven. And that's not just a faraway place But really, it's this place that you originally created to be good. And we can live a life of Jesus, a life right now, imitating Jesus, not boasting in our own selves, not boasting in our own accomplishments. Even if they're spiritual accomplishments, we don't boast in them. We only boast in Jesus. We worship him. We eagerly await for his arrival. We know that he has the power to bring everything under his control, and we believe he will transform our lowly bodies so they'll be like his glorious body. We long for Jesus. He is our joy. He is our crown, and we stand firm in him. And as we take the bread that represents his body and take this juice that represents his blood, I pray that our heart's desire and our heart's cry is to know him more. It's in his name we pray. Amen.